Welcome to AHE Express On The Go, brought to you by the Association for the Healthcare Environment, a professional membership group of the American Hospital Association. Today's podcast features James Kendig, Field Director at the Joint Commission. In this podcast, Mr. Kendig discusses the Joint Commission's top 10 survey findings and what environmental services professionals need to know to both address and avoid these from happening at your facility. Please welcome James Kendig. Good day. My name is Jim Kendig. I'm one of the Life Safety Code Field Directors for the Joint Commission. I'm going to spend a couple minutes with you today to go over the top 10 findings that we see on survey. The first one is LS2135, and this all has to do with fire extinguishing and fire extinguishing equipment such as sprinklers and having different things like cables on the sprinkler systems or affixed to the sprinkler systems. That's number one under LS2135. Other things can be also included such as K fire extinguishers or mounting of fire extinguishers and their height. The maximum height of a fire extinguisher to be mounted at the top is five feet and it's based on weight. Over 40 pounds, it's three and a half feet, minimum of four inches off the ground. So all this is encompassed under LS2135 that deals with fire extinguishing systems. The second is EC251, and we have two findings under EC251, EP15 and EP16. EP15 deals with critical pressure relationship areas, such as the ORs, the C-section rooms, and SPD, or sterile processing. EP16 deals with non-critical pressure relationship areas. This is for clean rooms such as uh, clean linen and other uh, would be the sewer utility rooms, which should be negative. Again, this is under table 7-1 of the FGI guidelines. So pay particular attention to your pressure relationships in critical and non-critical areas. The next standard is EC261, EC261, and that's a general safety clause. It's almost like OSHA's general duty clause. Here we find uh, stained ceiling tiles or unsafe conditions, chipped or uh, broken up tiles or different things you would find on the outside or inside of a particular hospital or healthcare environment, including uh, such things as ligature. Ligature is becoming fast approaching the number one finding of the Joint Commission under EC261. The COP is slightly different. Instead of physical environment, we use patient rights. So EC261 is an up and coming finding specific to ligature, but is also used to take care of general safety issues, such as stained ceiling tiles, breaks in the ground, concrete, tiles, floors, and other safety measures we would see on campus. Number four rounds out at IC221, IC221. And this is where we're seeing that materials and supplies are being transported from the OR procedure site to SPD and they're not being placed in a hard case container with a biohazard symbol and aren't pre-treated with some type of enzymatic cleaner. The next one is LS2110 and this is, has to do with penetration. So if one of the things the Life Safety Code Surveyor is going to ask upon uh, arriving at your organization is what type of fire stop do you use? We don't really care what type, but that gives us and uh, leads us to, uh, to additional conversations, such as what type of training have your staff had to recognize or apply this particular uh, substance, fire stop material, to penetrations and other venues in the walls, uh, smoke and fire barriers. So this is a top item as well. So again, above the ceiling work permit process helps 
keeping your eyes and open for contractors that are above the ceilings and making penetrations in smoke and fire uh, walls and uh, partitions. Number six is LS2130, and that has to do with door latching. Door latching, we want to make sure that our doors positively latch in fire barriers, sweet barriers, and other things such as soil utility rooms and clean rooms. These are considered hazardous rooms because of the contents within the room. So we want to make sure our door latches aren't taped to the open position or door wedges are used. Now these have to be self-closing for a reason. They are considered hazardous rooms. So please don't uh, tape open the uh, mechanisms, the hardware that uh, seal these particular rooms. Number seven, LS2120, is means of egress and the corridor clutter. By having items in the corridor restricts that movement of folks in the corridor, especially during emergencies when we potentially have to move patients using beds or gurneys or stretchers from one smoke compartment to another. So having corridor clutter minimized uh, really helps. And of course, anything not in use in 30 minutes per the CMS definition is corridor clutter. That includes cows, wows, and BMWs, whatever your electronic workstation is called, as well as other carts. Keep in mind that the crash cart, isolation room carts, and chemo carts, as long as there's a patient with in need of isolation and chemo support, are in use carts and can be left in the corridor while those patients are being served. But corridor clutter remain, remains a top 10 item for the Joint Commission, so Take a look at that, look at uh, your risk assessments and making sure we're getting things out of the corridor such as uh, linen carts, housekeeping carts uh, and things like that and make sure there's an attendant nearby. EC255 and this has to do with dishwasher logs down in the dietary department. Making sure that we're keeping our fridge, freezer, dishwasher, all our uh, logs up to date relative to temperatures and times and if it does fall behind on a particular issue you didn't meet temperatures for the dishwasher log or freezer or fridge log make sure there's an annotation what you did you retested it in five or ten minutes went back to normal maybe you were stocking that particular area maybe there's a, a repair done to the dishwashers whatever the case may be make sure that you annotate on your logs exactly what you did to remedy that situation and retest it Number nine at EC221 uh, talks about emergency showers and eyewashes. So we want to make sure we do a comprehensive risk assessment to determine where emergency showers and eyewashes are required to be located. For example, Jim's risk assessment would include 29 CFR 1910-151C, which, which is injurious and corrosive material. We also look at uh, OSHA 29 CFR 1910-1048-I2 and I3. That deals with uh, showers and eyewashes as it relates to formaldehyde. There are specific requirements and percentages in that particular standard relative to when an emergency shower and eyewash is required when there's formaldehyde and a percentage of formaldehyde. We also want to look at ANSI Z358.1 2004-9 or 14. It'll give me some idea if you're using 2004 or 2009 that you're kind of behind the, uh, behind the times. We're looking for the 2014 in use. And of course, we want to pay particular attention to Appendix B relative to temperature and other requirements. But again, taking a look at uh, your eyewashes and showers, making sure a comprehensive risk assessment has been completed certainly assists us in making sure that you are being compliant with those requirements. Number 10 is IC211. That's a general duty clause as well. 
And we're looking at uh, grime and uh, stuff around our ice machines, our water dispensers, sinks, and things like that. We're looking for corrosion, buildup, slime, grime, grease, whatever the case may be. But again, we're also paying particular attention to Legionella and the impacts of the Legionella disease on our patient populations. CMS has called for all accrediting organizations to make sure that you have a management plan or following the management plan uh, for Legionella, including using the CDC toolkit and ASHRAE 188. So rounding out the top 10 is infection control related to uh, ice machines, water dispensers, and things along that line. I just want to say thank you very much from the Joint Commission. My name again was Jim Kendig. I'm a field director for the Life Safety Code Surveyors for the Joint Commission out of Oak Brook, Illinois. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to AHE Express on the go and visit ahe.org for additional education opportunities free to our members. If you enjoyed the podcast, please see other great speakers like this at AHE's Exchange 2019 Conference in San Antonio, Texas, August 21st through the 24th.